This is Legacy Battle. Welcome aboard. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, whatever you're listening on. I'm Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Penn State Athletics, Kevin Adams, Ball State Athletics, Paul Havocott. Our special guest tonight, we're joined by a former wide receiver and return specialist. He's, a, he's an all-time great. He's got he's a five-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler, 70s and 80s All-Decade team. It's former Denver Bronco, Rick Upchurch. Rick, thanks for being here tonight. Hey, guys. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. Got the draft. Hey, we just had the draft here, man. We got a lot to talk about, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> Tonight's debate is going to be the top five NFL return specialists of all time. Afterwards, we'll have our Q&A for Rick about his career. But we're going to start this out tonight with Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles drafted fourth round by the San Diego Chargers in the 2005 NFL draft. He also played for the Saints and Eagles. Uh, man was, uh, he was a running, great running back, actually. Not, not too bad. Um, also return specialist. Uh, played at Kansas State for college, uh, where he actually was the all-time leading rusher. So it's no wonder why he was doing some returning. Uh, the Chargers named him a kick returner on their 50th anniversary team. That's how good he was at returning the ball. Uh, he's currently ranked fifth in his career for all-purpose yards in NFL history, and he broke the NFL record for most single all-purpose yards. So that's, that's pretty good there. He ranked eighth all-time in kick return yards with 8,352. His longest return was 104 yards uh, for a touchdown. Uh, he has two kickoff returns for touchdowns. Um, he had 2,961 yards and seven TDs on punt returns. That ranks him 13th in yards, uh, tied for seventh in TDs. Uh, he holds the record for the most combined total um, return yards in a two-game like playoff span, uh, 602 yards, return yards uh, in a two-game span. That's pretty impressive. He holds the Chargers franchise record uh, for kickoff return yards at 6,469 yards. He also holds the Eagles franchise record for most career punt return TDs uh, at four, tied with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, and let's not forget, this guy, this guy was very small. He's very small, versatile. He could find the holes. This dude was quick. He was only five foot six. That actually gives me hope that I probably could have had a chance in my uh, my days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he put he put up these numbers being that small. So I mean, he's definitely got a strong argument. Uh, I think he was like an underdog surprise. Definitely a, a nice surprise. So Rick, let me ask you: Is a running back and a wide receiver are they taking the same approach on on a on a return, or are you thinking differently? Well, I think I think every returner is different. It depends on how you were brought up. I was brought up. I was a running back in college and in high school, and so I had the instincts of understanding how to cut off of people, and I could see the field very, very, very good. I had my my depth perception, my 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 perception out out wide uh, was very good. I could see stuff, man, and before you know they knew it, I'd have made a move on them. So. If it's something that you've done for a long time and you're a running back, you use those instincts for sure and uh, understanding how to get upfield, how to use your blockers. And I think that's very, very important in being able to see the field. And with Darren Sproles' very small stature, does that help him in an unreturned game or is that going to actually hurt him? Well, you know, in some, I think in some instances it's going to be good for him because a lot of times a guy that's pretty short – they got pretty good balance because if you got a tall guy and you can get into his legs, 
most of the time you can bring them down with an arm tackle or a shoulder tackle. But a guy like Darren Sproles, who has big legs, you know, when he's wide and he's stumpy, he's like a dog on fire hydrant, it's awful hard to get a good shot on him. So, yeah, it's, I think it's tougher uh, if, you, if you're a short guy uh, running, running, running kicks back. I really do. Well, let's go to primetime, Deion Sanders. Yeah, I got Dion, and he's just south of me here. He's from Fort Myers. I'm in the St. Pete, Tampa area. Dion was more of a threat than kind of anything, and that's what kind of makes him hard to measure. I mean, when I go over his stats, he's not going to have some of the stats that the other ones have, but you can't really measure, you know, perhaps what the other team did to maybe avoid kicking to him or maybe seeing him down there, you know, putting the ball out of play and so forth. So, you know, Dion kind of dabbled in this special teams and much like anything, he did it with style. He used to high step into the end zone if he got you. But he's such an athlete. At the 89 NFL Scouting Combine, he ran a 4.29 second 40-yard dash. And just to put that in perspective, it takes Kevin 5.13 seconds just to get out of bed every morning and put his bunny slippers on. Dion's already on the 40-yard dash line. He was the fifth Pick over on the 89 draft by the Atlanta Falcons in 92. Had, oh, I'm sorry, in 92, he had the, held the league uh, lead in kickoff returns at 1,067 and averaged highest 26.7 yards per return. So he could do this, and he returned touchdowns. He, he played uh, for the Falcons from 89 to 93, San Fran for a year in 94, then Dallas and Washington and uh, Baltimore until 2005. And all told, the stat sheet reads like this. Six punt return touchdowns, three kick returns for touchdowns, 155 total kick returns for 3,523 yards, and 2,199 uh, punt returns, uh, punt return yards. But I wanted to give Brian some props, too, because he actually brought something to my attention, and he gave me this great text. I'm going to read it here real quick. He said, Paul, you are so much better than me at this. Wait, hold on. Let me scroll down here. He said something else. Let me, uh, he said, to compare Dion's stats to somebody like Brian Mitchell, who had 13 return touchdowns, but it took him so much longer to get that because he had 1,070 total returns. Dion did what he did and so much fewer. So I wanted to give a shout out to Brian. Thanks, Brian. But that's Dion Sanders. So, Rick, is his return game overhyped because of his persona? And is there a bigger showboater on this list tonight? No, Dion Sanders was a true athlete. He wasn't just a football player. You could put Dion anywhere. He was like a puzzle. If you got a if you got a place for him, he could fit in anywhere. He was that type of a ball player. And I think that if he was, you know, to, if he was able to just focus in on just returning kicks, he would have done a lot, lot more because of that speed. And he's very intelligent out there on the field. He was durable. He didn't miss a lot of games in that whole deal. So I believe Dion, if he was just doing that solely. He would have some great numbers, but because he also played corner, I think that took a lot away from him as well. I, I understand that because I played wide receiver. I started wide receiver in 1979, so I understood the wear and tear, returning punts, and then starting, you know, for for your football team as well. So I think Dion is a legit, uh, just athlete, a great ball player in his own right for sure, Hall of Famer. I, I, I like him. I like him a lot. I like him a lot, but. You know, once again, I got I see some other guys that are much better. He was part of that biggest rivalry in the early '90s, San Francisco Dallas, and he played yeah. on both. So that was yeah, that was interesting. 
Well, you mentioned Brian Mitchell, Paul. So let's uh, let's move to Brian Mitchell here. Played from 1990 to 2003 with the Redskins, Eagles, and Giants. Three-time All-Pro and a Pro Bowler. Um, he's got the NFL records for kickoff and punt return yards and postseason kickoff yards. And, you know, this show is all about legacy. So let's talk about legacy. He is second all-time to Jerry Rice. That's right. In, in NFL history in yes, total sir. yards. Yes, so any anytime your name is mentioned next to Jerry Rice, <laughs> you know you've done something special. So yeah. let's throw that in there. He's uh, second all-time in return touchdowns. He's got the most spare catches in, in NFL history. I don't know if that is good or bad, but it's a stat. Um, he's got 20 NFL records. That is an incredible number. Um, he's been nominated twice for the Hall of Fame. For some reason, they don't put a return specialist in. They should. It's an important part of the game. Um, but here's one unique stat that I liked. Um, he has the most all-purpose yards against a single opponent, and that is 3,076 yards against the Dallas Cowboys. So that's yeah. kind of interesting. But if you look at who he played for, he was on the Redskins, Eagles, and Giants. So that's that's the entire division there. So it makes sense. But so – Rick, as, as Paul kind of mentioned, Mitchell's numbers are way up there because he did it so long and he has more possessions than than anyone we're talking about. So just what are your thoughts on Brian Mitchell? Well, you know, um, possessions are, are important. And the other thing is staying healthy. Yeah. If you can stay healthy, man, you can show and help your team out so much in so many ways. He was a great all-purpose player to get 23,330 yards, man, over 14 years. That's that's extraordinary. Uh, that just shows that he's consistent. He knew that the football team could rely on him, man, to put them in good field position and or take it all the way to the house. Those are, mem are momentum changers. There's no way that you can look at that and say it's not. When you talk about 23,000, Thousand and fourteen thousand of that was on kick returns, and four, almost five thousand of that was on punt returns. And like you said, second in, in uh, touchdowns. Before there was Devin Hester, there certainly was Brian Mitchell. Believe me, and I would put Brian Mitchell uh, certainly at at the top for sure. I like hearing that. Let's move on to Dante Hall. All right, Dante Hall, five foot eight, hundred eighty-seven pounds, out of Texas A&M, uh, two thousand to two thousand six with the Chiefs, and then oh uh, seven to 08 with the St. Louis Rams. I, I don't know if there's another athlete who has such an accurately descriptive nickname as the Human Joystick. And, I mean, that's exactly what this guy was. He was like something out of a video game. Uh, the way he could juke, reverse directions, and hit that speed burst. Uh, he had blazing speed. He did a 40-yard dash in 4.29 seconds. Uh, his overall return game was just electrifying. On October 6, 2002, he became only the second player in NFL history to return a punt and a kickoff for a touchdown in the same game. And in 2003, he set an NFL record with a return touchdown in four consecutive games. And who could forget that 93-yard return against Denver during which he made the entire special teams unit miss like over and over and reverse field twice to take that one all the way. Uh, during his NFL career, he had six punt returns for touchdowns, which is sixth most all time. 
Uh, he had six kick returns for touchdowns, which is second most all time. In 2003, no one had a better punt return average than Hall, and he is sixth all time in total return yardage with 12,397 yards. And in 2010, the NFL saw fit to place Hall on the 2000s NFL All-Decade team twice, once as a kick returner and once as a punt returner. So the human joystick, I think he's got to find a way up here to the top five. Much like Dion, a very good corner as well. Um, Rick, your thoughts on Dante Hall, very elusive, very fast. I mean, he he get down that field and you turn around and he, there's people 10 yards behind him. What are your thoughts on Dante? Well, well he certainly was a joystick to the Denver Broncos. I, I watched that game when he uh, returned that punt and made everybody look like they were just uh, standing still for sure. Very electric. Uh, like I said, I think his stat speaks for himself. He certainly is going to be up in my top five uh, for sure. Uh, if nothing but – if he, he's yeah, he's in the top five without a doubt, guys. He, I think he he was as dangerous as anybody uh, back there when you put the ball in his hands. Well, let's move on to the guy that a lot of people say is, is the GOAT of this conversation, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Devin Hester. Devin Hester is the GOAT. There's nothing to see about it. Dude was amazing. Played wide receiver, return specialist. He was drafted by Chicago Bears in the second round of the 2006 NFL Draft. Played for Miami in college. Uh, he also played offense, defense, and special teams, which is rare that someone plays on three sides of the wall there. Uh, he played with the Falcons, Ravens, and Seahawks uh, as well during his 11-year career. He is one of the greatest return specialists in the history of the NFL. He's the first player and only player in NFL history to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown in a Super Bowl. He became a threat almost immediately as a kick returner. He holds the NFL record for most all-time return touchdowns at 19 um, for punts and kickoffs like combined. Uh, he also has the most all-time punt return touchdowns at 14. He had five uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns, and as long as it was 98 yards, he averaged 11.7 yards on the punt return. Um, over 3,600 yards for uh, punt returns, putting him third. Uh, he was also first in TDs. Um, he averaged 24.9 yards on the kickoff, over 7,300 yards. Um, he ranked ninth uh, for kickoff return TDs. Twin Spires listed him as number one of all time. And this man's feats, pretty impressive because uh, when you consider in 2011, the NFL made that role change, which actually made it easier for kickers to get touchbacks. And this was right in the middle of Hester's prime. Uh, and he was still able to put up these numbers. His his speed was was definitely game changing. He was the only player uh, to get a perfect speed rating on the Madden video football game. He actually got a hundred <laughs> speed rank. This dude is lightning. And not to mention, uh, he he would blur across the TV screens when he beat a cheetah in a simulated 2013 race on National Geographic. And he was also dubbed the Windy City Flyer in Chicago because this dude was fast. This dude is the best returner of all time in the NFL history. He's number one. Rick, I, I, I've been told by a couple of people that are here yeah. tonight that Hester's the best. But I, pers I, I disagree. I'm going to give him the touchdowns. And I think that's why people think of him as the best, just because of all those touchdowns and the moments we remember. But if I'm looking deeper into this, He's only ninth in punt return average. He's only eighth in total yards. So tell me what I'm missing. 
Well, let, let me tell you, touchdowns is the difference. I mean, when you're back there and you return a punt in that whole deal and, and you change the game and the momentum of the game in a flash like Devin Hester could, that certainly says a lot for who he is and what he is and what he brought to the game. For sure. And he did it more than anyone else with 19. So that tells me a story that he was able to take this thing back anytime, anywhere, anyhow. But for me, I look at more than just touchdowns. I look at yardage. I look at yards per average and that type of stuff. Because once again, it's about us being back there and setting up and the offense. Whether we take one back or not, that's irrelevant. It's whether we do a good job back there and make sure that the offense is in good shape and that we don't put the defense in bad shape, man, fumbling the ball, putting the ball on the ground and things of that nature. Those are the things that I look at, making good decisions back there in that whole deal and not putting your team in a bad situation. All that other, other stuff, man, I think that's icing on the cake. But I'm the type of guy that's thinking, am I putting my team in the best position every time I touch this ball to be in a good, good position to play ball. That's what I look at. And Devin Hester did that. I look at his average. I look at his average on kick return and punt return. I look at all of those things. I'm still looking at Brian Mitchell at the top, his longevity, his numbers, man. And once again, he was a threat. He was a threat before there was Devin Hester, believe me. Excellent. Let's move on to uh, Joshua Cribbs. Yeah, I went with another really good athlete here, three-time Pro Bowler Josh Cribbs out of Kent State University, really a phenomenal college athlete, holding the record for all-time total offense uh, with 10,839 yards, also holds records in rushing, TDs, passing yardage, completions, points scored. In the NFL, though, he went undrafted in 2005 and later on was signed as an undrafted free agent by Cleveland. He played from 2005 to 2015, mostly with Cleveland, but then had three forgettable seasons with Oakland, the New York Jets, and Indianapolis Colts. As a rookie, he averaged 24.5 yards per return, and his total of 1,094 return yards set a franchise record. He, met, he made his NFL debut versus the Cincinnati Bengals on September 11th, um, and he was already just right out of the gates. In a game against the Detroit Lions, he returned a kick 90 yards for his first NFL touchdown. And in 2008, for the fourth straight season, Cribs again held the touchdown, uh, had a touchdown on a kickoff return, scoring on a 92-yard return versus Baltimore Ravens week nine. It was the fifth kickoff return touchdown of Cribs' career. Cribs also had a four-yard rushing touchdown against uh, the Bills in a Monday night football game. So he, he, could, he could score touchdowns. Real versatile. Um, some, he, some stats here for him. 222 punt returns for 2,375 yards. 426 kickoff returns for 11,113 yards. NFL All-Decades team. Something interesting about him was the, the Browns kind of knew what kind of athlete he was. And on November 26, in 2008, they placed Brady Quinn on injured reserves and named uh, Cribs their emergency quarterback. For this, I had originally taken Eric Metcalf, but I ended up having to change it to Cribs because in 2009, Josh tied and then surpassed him on December 10th. So he ended up kind of taking over Eric Metcalf. I think he deserves a spot on this list, maybe at the four or five mark. I'm not trying to talk you into it, but I figured you'd respect him as an athlete here. 
That's Josh Cribbs. Rick, I, I'm looking down this list, and unfortunately, Cribbs, he got stuck on a, on a Browns team that was not very good for a very long time. And I, and I yes. think – I think that may be why he's not the household name like these other guys. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that and, and, and him as a return specialist? I, I like Josh Cribb a lot. Josh is uh, one of those guys, man, you didn't hear much about him, but all he did was go about, you know, taking care of his business. Uh, he has some great stats. He played for 10 years. You know, he had 2,300 yards, man, and averaged 10.7 each time he returned the ball. And he had three TDs on punt returns. And like I said, he had eight on kickoff return. and had over 11,000 uh, 11, yards in that deal with a 26.1-yard average and 15,000 yards plus uh, uh, for his career. So uh, you would certainly have to put him uh, – I, I got him at fourth on my list in that deal. And, uh, yeah, so I, I have him up in my top five. We'll see if he makes it tonight as we get closer to our vote here. But let's move on to Desmond Howard. So Heisman Trophy winner out of Michigan. First round pick, number four overall by the uh, Washington Redskins. He also played with the Jaguars, Packers, Raiders, and Lions. Um, I mean, I could, you know, run down his stats. So, you know, he's a pro bowler and all pro. He's ninth in kick return yards, 14th in punt return yards. But let, let's just go right to the highlight of the career here. Uh, and that's going to be Super Bowl 31, where he sets a Super Bowl record for a 99-yard touchdown kick return, which New England had just scored a touchdown to make it 27-21. to 21. Green Bay had a slim lead there. And he returns the kickoff for a touchdown, killed the momentum, um, and it, it really led Green Bay to the win. In the press conference afterwards, Bill Parcells said that they were beat by Desmond Howard tonight. Not only did he kill the momentum, but every time he touched the ball, he was setting them up with great field position. So yep. just that game alone, Howard totaled 90 punt return yards, 154 kicking yards, kickoff return yards, and a touchdown. So that that's 244 all-purpose yards, and that tied a Super Bowl record. He won the MVP, and he was the only player to be named MVP in Super Bowl history for his special teams performance. So... Rick, I mean, he had a great career. Everyone thought he was going to be a huge, great wide receiver. That didn't work out. So he goes to return specialist, has a great career, but he's kind of just remembered for this this one game here <laughs> overall. So, I mean, what were your thoughts, you know, not just on him as a whole, but that, that game individually on the, the grandest stage of all? Well, well, I think that that was a great game for him. I think that was a breakout game for Desmond. Uh, because I know Desmond very well in that whole deal, and he, what a what a great guy, what a good person, what a great attitude, and uh, and and all he always told me is, I just want to win, Rick. I want to do whatever it takes to win, to win, to put my team in the best position to win football games in that whole deal. And I think that's what his he did. I think that was his attitude. He wasn't too caught up in the stats and all of those type of things. He said, Rick, I want to show up when it means the most. That's what he always said. So, uh, you know, once again, Desmond, he's a guy that you certainly didn't want to kick the ball to because he showed in the Super Bowl, guys, what he was capable of doing. And I think he has some reasonable, reasonably good good numbers as well behind him as well. So, yeah, I, I like Desmond. I, I had Desmond like 10th on my on my list. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I have him on it, though. Fair enough. Let's move on to our final player tonight. 
it's the one and only Rick Upchurch. All right. Some, some fellow named Rick Upchurch, uh, five foot 10, 175 pound out of University of Miss, uh, Minnesota, 1975 to 1983 with the Denver Broncos. Uh, as Michael mentioned on the outset, uh, this guy certainly has the accolades. You know, three first-team All-Pros, two second-team All-Pros, four trips to the Pro Bowl, a member of not one but two NFL All-Decades teams, the 1970s and 1980s, uh, and he is in the Denver Broncos Ring of Fame. Uh, when you look at the Broncos franchise record books, he's got the most punt returns in a career, the most punt return yards in a career and a season, and the most punt return touchdowns in a career season and in a single game. Uh, it was once written by sports writer Joel uh, Buchsbaum that Upchurch could, quote, go from zero to 60 like a race car. Uh, and that is pretty accurate of a description. Uh, you know, I've seen some of these guys' highlights. He had a very quick first step after fielding a kick and a great ability to make the first man miss. In 1976, Upchurch had four punt returns for touchdowns. That is tied for the most ever in an NFL season. Only a few other guys have ever done that. Three times he led the NFL in punt return average. No uh, other NFL player has ever led the league more than twice. He is the fifth all-time in punt return average with a 12.1 yards per return. Uh, he returned eight punts to the house during his career for touchdowns. Uh, only three players have returned for more. So one of the most dangerous players uh, to touch the ball in his time, Rick Upchurch. Rick, you're, you're like the the OG of this list here. You know, <laughs> you started it out. Uh, yeah. You know, just, just give me some thoughts. Where, where do you rank yourself on this list? I know that's always a little hard to do. And, uh, you know, just kind of what it meant to, to, to be a member of the Denver Broncos your entire career, because we don't well, see well, that anymore. Well, let me explain a little bit, okay, guys? Let, let me, can I just give my viewpoint? Let me, let me give you my viewpoint. Absolutely. I, look, at, look at the league, man, when it started, when I came in. In 1975, we were only four, playing 14 games, right? We were playing 14-game seasons. That was it. Then, what, then four years later, we go to 16 games. So that means now... I've, after, what, three, three, four years where I'm only returning for 14 games, now these guys that are ahead of me are returning for two more games, right? Because they have more games to get more yards, to get more touches, to get more fields, okay? So what I'm saying is I look at generations. I look at 10-year generations. I look at the de all-decade teams. I look at guys in their era, who was the best? Who did it better? Who was the most dangerous in their time and in their era? And then I compare those guys. When you look at certain guys like Eric Metcalf, let me tell you something, Eric Metcalf in his era was one of the baddest guys, just like uh, uh, Brian Mitchell in his era he was the best. But now everybody else is saying what? No, it's Devin Hester. So I look at different eras, guys. I look at it totally, totally differently. Because in my era, I don't think there was anybody better. Believe me. It, it got to the point where they wouldn't even kick the ball to me on kickoff returns. 
I led the league, man, in, in, in kickoff returns my rookie year. And so after a while, they didn't even kick the ball to me. And then there was one season after that 76 season when I returned four, actually five, they called one back. They started kicking the ball either short or they deliberately kicked the ball out of bounds. So now I'm giving my feet, my team good field position. Right. Because right. they are just not kicking the ball to me. I'm listen to my story. I'm just you know, saying. So when I when I look at when I look at now where kickers back in the day, like Ray Guy and those guys, he could boom the ball, but he could also directionally kick that ball out of bounds, guys. They were excellent. Today, what they do is they kick for average. They keep the ball in the middle of the field, and these guys get great opportunities. You look at these guys, they played longer than I did. I had a neck injury, and I only got nine years in. Everybody else had 13 years, 14 years, 11 years, 12 years. Surely their numbers are going to be better than mine. No ifs, ands, or buts, but if I had been able to get more years in, I had three more years on my contract, if I could have played three more years, I believe my numbers would have been 10 times better than what they are. So I'm looking at different things that happen to players and all of that type of stuff, staying healthy. My career was cut short. So when I look at that, I say, well, yeah, they got better numbers than I do. But look at what I did in the era that I played in. I was doing stuff that people in the 1950s in the 1960s was doing, nobody had touched them until I came along. I was the first player to go over 3,000 yards in the National Football League. First. No one else. So that should account for something. I'm setting standards for the Devin Hesters. I'm setting standards for the Billy White Shoes Johns. I'm setting standards for those guys that are coming up behind me. So that has to have some credence. Just like Devin Hester. He's setting a standard. And then the next guy that comes along, they're going to say he's the greatest. Right. right. So you, it's hard for me to say who is the greatest, guys, because you have different eras, you have different times, you have the different games. You, I, I, you look at how many times I touched the ball, those guys dwarf me in how many times they touched the ball. Right. Well, we got a couple shout-outs tonight. Mel Gray. Eric Metcalf and David Maggot, all pretty good. Just missed the list. Let's move into our vote, guys. Cannot vote for your own. Um, I hardly ever vote first, so I'm, I'm going to vote <laughs> first tonight. And uh, let, let's just let's just let's just get him on this list. He he was the he was the greatest of his era, the, by far the greatest of the '70s. So I'm taking Rick Upchurch. Paul. Oh, yeah, you just took my pick because I. I was all set for Devin Hester, but that rousing speech he gave me got me all juiced up. <laughs> like, did, did Devin Hester score a – did he return a touchdown in the Super Bowl for – did he return yeah, a kick for a touchdown 2007. Yeah. Who, did Devin? Yeah, Devin the opening did, kickoff. Right. Yeah, he did. Uh-huh. I guess I'll put – go ahead and put it, because anybody that does that belongs on this list. So I'll do that, even though I thought Kevin's argument was very dislikable. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Uh, Brian. Ah, uh, man. I'll tell you what. I think um, I think you got to have Brian Mitchell on here. You got to have the guy that that's got the most the most yards. You know, and, and I mean, right right underneath uh, Jerry Rice. So you, you got to oh, 
You know it. <laughs> Man, you guys all took who I was going to vote for. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with Howard. Wow. All right. So, Rick, we're going to come to you. You got the choice of the leftovers here. We got Dante Hall, Deion Sanders, Josh Cribbs, and Darren Sproles. Going with Josh Cribb, no Dante Hall. Dante Hall. I'm going with Dante. Yeah, man, I'm going with Dante. All right, so we there we have it. We got Legacy Battles top five NFL return specialists of all time tonight. Is Desmond Howard, Brian Mitchell, Rick Upchurch, Dante Hall, Devin Hester. Nice job, guys. Let's move into uh, our Q and A. Um, Paul, go ahead, start us off. Well, you brought it up earlier, and I've. You seemed like you'd have good ideas on it. I was really happy in the NFL draft that the Steelers took Kenny Pickett. So I'm a Steelers fan, as are, are most of us. But what do you think was something special about the draft, and what, what's your takeaway from this year? Right. You, look, I you know, I went to the draft, man. It was here in Vegas, man. You know, we know how to do it out here in Vegas, y'all. So we had a, a great, great time there, man. And uh, uh, I think, I think uh, Las Vegas, man, Showed everybody, man, that it's uh, it's ready for the National Football League. Super Bowl is going to be coming here uh, in 2024. But um, I thought the draft went really well. I remember back. I, I remember back, man, when the draft was 17 rounds. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh my god, 17 rounds, and now they've cut it all the way down to seven rounds. And so now you have more free agency out there uh, for players to possibly catch on in that whole deal now which is a good thing, no doubt about it. But I thought the Broncos, they got what they needed. They had got a pass rusher. They got a tight end. They picked up on a, a couple of uh, defensive backs in that whole deal, those things that they needed. I think they had a very good draft along with uh, – uh, uh, what, um, uh, what's my quarterback's name? Uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson coming over in that whole deal, man. I think the leadership with him, man – Coming over to Denver, man, he's going to put that offense together. He's got plenty of weapons. Uh, sure up that offensive line. We got our linebackers. We got that outside edge guy again out of Oklahoma. And uh, I think we did a good job, man, of patching up our defense. And our offense is going to be 10 times better this year just because of Mr. Russell Wilson. Brian, I'm sorry. I should have given you first question. I, I missed that you had two on there. No worries. No worries. So, I'm sorry. So, uh, Rick, I'm going to take you back 1977. Um, there was two major changes in Denver. You guys got a, a new head coach in Red Miller. You got a new quarterback in Craig Morton. Uh, so what did each man bring to the table to, you know, inspire that great uh, Broncos Super Bowl run that year? God, uh, let me tell you, uh, uh, Red Miller, when he came in, he was a no-nonsense guy. And uh, the minute that you met him you and you shook his hand, you knew he meant business. But the thing I liked about him, he was honest and he was truthful with you and you could trust him. You could sit down and talk with him and he'd give you the truth. You know what I'm saying? And for a guy like that, you say you will run through a wall to play for him and win. And that's what he brought. And he brought that confidence, man, that we were a good football team. And not that we were just a good football team, but we could be a great football team. And he taught us, man, how to persevere, how to work hard. And to go out there, man, and say to, to people that we have a good football team. Craig Morton, he brought stability at the quarterback position. We didn't have that. And when Craig came in, 
He's a leader. He's been around. He understood the offense. And so uh, our offense was basically, let's not put our defense in a bad situation because that Orange Crush, crush Bunch, they were awful, awful, awful good guys. Oh, yeah. Kevin. Uh, so in 1976, week three against the Browns, uh, you had ran two two kicks back. Um, so when you're lined up in the downfield waiting for that kick, what's going through your mind and what's the first thing you're looking for when you catch that ball? Oh, gosh, you know, all week, man, we've been watching film. You know what I'm saying? So we've got it all made up. We already know where we're going to attack. I had a lot of say, man, in, in what was going on as far as our returns were concerned. I'd sit down with the coach and say, Look at this guy. He's coming down. He's ahead of everybody else. He's easy. All we got to do is ear hole him, and that hole is gonna gonna open up, and we'll cross block on everybody. And that middle will open up, man, like like the you know the Red Sea. And so we would sit down and talk about what we were going to do, and we would set it up. I say, guys, we're gonna set this up for later on in the game. So don't worry about it. We're gonna set this up, and that's what we were good at as far as our special teams is concerned. We put a lot of work into it, guys. We believe in our, in our special teams. And we said, hey, man, this is going to be a part of what we do to make this team 360 degrees, guys. So in, in the NFL, in the caution of safety, let's call it, mm -hmm. has continued to change the kickoff rules through yeah. the years. We see the ball being placed, uh, you know, they move the kickoff up. Yeah. They've banned certain block formations on the kick return. I mean, yeah. what, do you, what are your thoughts as a return specialist on these roles? I mean, it's obviously making it harder for the return, man. But, you know, does it make the game better, in your opinion? And what are your thoughts on those roles? Well, safety is the key, guys. You know, uh, since all of the CTE that has come about in that whole deal, you know, the NFL is about protecting that shield. And they're also about protecting their money. So they're, immediately they're going to find ways – of making the game safer. And not only that, making it filter down to, you know, Pop Warner football and, and high school and that whole deal. So that now that these diseases from uh, getting hit repetitiously, guys, man, doesn't affect you as much, but you're gonna get concussions, right guys? I don't yeah. care what you do, your head hits the ground and somebody accidentally knee you in the head or whatever, you're gonna get those wraps on the head and that whole deal. But what they're trying to do is make the game safer. Guys, I'm telling you the truth, uh, some of the guys that I know with CTE, man, it's, it's real. And I try to let people, when I talk with people, this is real stuff in that whole deal. So understand that the game, we got to make the game safer so that the people's livelihoods aren't messed up and their families aren't messed up. And one more each, same order. Well, you're from Toledo, Ohio, so I was kind of wondering, when you get to Denver and you get to that thin air and all that, is that, does that affect you at all, or was it just a different type of training, or did you just acclimate immediately? Is it a challenge, advantage? <laughs> I remember the first time I took off running, I got to Denver, and I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful, the air, man. They said it's thin. What the hell? <laughs> no, it's not. I took off, guys, and I couldn't get back, man. I was getting ready to call a bus, man. I said, man, can y'all come and get me? Oh, yeah, it, it takes some time, really, guys. And as a matter of fact, I got a little sick, you know what I'm saying? My, you know, my head, I mean, my, my, I was getting dizzy and all of that because, you, you, you know, your blood has to get acclimated, you know, to that, uh, to that mile high atmosphere and that whole deal. And so when, when teams would come in like New Orleans or, you know, coming from Houston or something like that below sea level, 
We're like, hey, guys, come on in here for a minute. They're over on those doggone masks, man. They're taking in air like 90 going north, man. So, yeah, we had an advantage going into the fourth quarter, and we loved it. Yeah. So tonight, Rick, we, you know, we've heard the resumes of some great return men, uh, including yourself. Uh, but as of the time of this recording, there are no players in the Hall of Fame who are best known for their returning skills. Uh, does this need to change, in your opinion? I mean, returners make a large impact on the game. Absolutely. I don't know what's what's holding the, holding the, all of this back. Look, if you can put administrators, if you can put broadcasters, if you can put, um, you know, fans, why in the world would you not the other third of the game put somebody in there that returned kicks? Like you said, it's a game changer. It changes the whole complexion of the game, guys. What, Like you said, Devin Hester opens the game up with a kickoff return. With the offense not even having to touch the field, they're ahead seven to nothing. Right, right. I mean, yeah. come on, man. I mean, hey, oh, if I fumble the ball, they punt the ball early in the game, and I fumble the ball on the five-yard line, the defense is like, you anyway, they'll start, you know, getting after me. And then the offense is saying, dang, we got us, got us backed up here on about the two-yard line. Oh, wait a minute. I made a mistake in the end zone. Oh, I came out, and I can't even get to the 20-yard line. Offense is in a bad situation. A field goal. How many field goals? Remember Norwood from Buffalo? He misses. So, guys, how, how in the world can you put kickers in, but you can't you put the guys that return the kicks in? Right. <laughs> this makes no sense, guys. And someone needs to really I, – I got I, – I'm putting together some information, man, and I'm going to send it to the Hall of Fame committee and ask, what is it – what is the rules? What, what are the rules for getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Some of these guys have set standards, right? Right. Quarterbacks, they set standards, right? Running backs set standards. Defensive ends, they set standards, sacks. So what's what's wrong with, with, with returns? I'm sorry. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to take you to 83, your final season with Denver. Elway gets drafted number one. What was uh, what was it like bringing in the rookie, uh, Elway? Did you guys think that he was going to be as big as he was? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. John, John, a great guy, man. I, I, I had a lot of fun with John his rookie year for sure. But he, he was he, he was young. He was he was like a coat out in the doggone, you know, pasture, man, just running around, kicking around, man. Great attitude. We knew that he was going to be an excellent, excellent quarterback. But just like a, a diamond in the rough, you got to take him through some changes, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> John threw the ball so hard, he was breaking fingers. And I mean, I mean, we're down, we're sitting down at 12 yards and the ball is beating us up because it's coming so hard. John came back one time and said, man, the offense, this defense, man, they're so effing fast. I said, yeah, John, they are fast, man. <laughs> That's why you got to <laughs> let the ball go. I said, don't hold on to the ball. You got to let the ball and anticipate where we're going to be. And so, John, man, he's still – I remember the very first game against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, John Elway, you know, we're at Pittsburgh, John Elway. They're like, yeah, right. 
They brought John out there, man. Them Pittsburgh Steelers was blitzing everywhere. <laughs> John was like, gee, man, he freaking cream. And he was running around, man, like a chicken with his head cut off, man. I mean, it takes time, especially when you guys, when you're tagged. And John was tagged. You know, he came in, you know, with all the bells and whistles and that whole deal. And everybody wanted him. And then we had to go to Baltimore. Remember, he's told Baltimore, I don't want to play for you. And now we got to go to Baltimore. They're throwing beer cans at us, man, and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, man. So, yeah, John John was raw. Uh, he had to learn. And the other thing was to put him in a good offense that fit his style. And I think when Mike Shanahan came, don't, don't get me wrong, he did some good things with Dan Reeves. But when Mike Shanahan came, he put a lot of polish, man, on that diamond. And then John really shined from there and won those two Super Bowls. We all wanted to see that three-peat, but he went and retired. I was so bummed about that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, John said I had enough, guys. <laughs> so you've coached college and high school. I was just wondering, like, what what is your approach to the different age group between high school and college when you're coaching? Do you, do you coach that differently? No. You know what? I try to be kind of consistent, man, in the way that I coach in that ODL. I try to treat these young men, man, with, with dig dignity and respect, man, and, and let them know I'm only here, man, to try and polish and help you become the gym that you want to be. And I just I just understand that if you have good fundamentals in that whole deal, you can play any game. It doesn't matter whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball, whatever. So let's really work on good fundamentals in that whole deal, and then they can put you anywhere because you can become an athlete. And so and the other thing is, hey, man, you know what? The key, the key thing is this, you know, your grades, man, you certainly, man, want to show everybody that you're intelligent. And whatever you do in school is going to is going to it's going to pour over into what you do out on the football field as well. So, you know, make sure you take care of your education and that will will make sure that anything that goes wrong, maybe with football or whatever in that whole deal might blow out a knee or whatever. You still have that educational background. And so you can go back out. You know, uh, you know, if you get injured or whatever, and, and make a living. Well, I said this during our Richmond Web Show, and I'm going to say it again: If you're a Hall of Fame voter and you're watching this podcast, you need to put Rick Upchurch in, in the Hall of Fame. It, it it's long overdue. Let let let's get there. Let's get the specialists into the Hall of Fame. As we mentioned earlier, this is a huge part of the game, and there's no reason for them not to be in. So. Rick, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Honored to have you here. You know what, guys? Thank you so very much. You know what? You guys enjoy yourselves. And, uh, then, you know, this really gives a guy or like myself an opportunity to really talk to folks and things of that nature and have a different perspective. So thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you. I want, to, I want to remind everybody, hit that subscribe button, whatever you're listening on. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Have a great night.